everyone. This is Grace's on the case. I'm Gracelyn Keller, and today I'm diving into a mystery unfolding in real time that no one seems to be talking about. Following a string of missing young men and women being found dead in Lake Michigan and the Chicago River dating back over a year, there is evidence to suggest that the city of Chicago could have a serial killer, yet no major news outlets or even the police have made any comments on the possibility. So I've compiled all the evidence I could find, and I'm going to present it to you today so that you can decide for yourself. Is there a serial killer lurking in Chicago? Now, just a quick heads up, this is going to be a two-parter. We have a lot to cover here, and the research took much longer than typical. Much of the information I was looking for wasn't even reported on by mainstream media channels, so I had to do a lot of digging to present you with the full picture. So this is just a fair warning, and if you hate cliffhangers or not being able to listen to part two right away, maybe just wait until next week when you can binge both episodes back to back. Okay, so with that out of the way, let's get into it. On the evening of Saturday, December 17th, 2022, 25-year-old Northwestern University doctoral student Peter Salvino attended a party in Chicago's Lincoln Park neighborhood. In the later hours of the night, Salvino left the party and walked to a nearby restaurant called The Wiener Circle, where he was a regular, to pick up some food before walking back to his apartment located a few blocks away from the party he'd attended and the restaurant he stopped at. At 11.59 p.m., Salvino made contact with a friend via FaceTime, at which time he said he was still about a half mile away from his apartment. The call ended and Salvino continued. At 12.15 a.m., the friend he had just been on the phone with called Salvino again to make sure he had made it home safe. Salvino answered and was still walking, saying he'd be home soon. This is the last contact made with Peter Salvino. At 12.31 a.m., Salvino's phone pinged a location near Diversity Harbor, the opposite direction to his apartment from the Wiener Circle restaurant. The friend called Salvino again at 12.37 a.m. to check if he had made it home safe yet, but this call went unanswered. Between this time and 9.30 a.m. the next morning, multiple friends texted Salvino's phone, and all of those messages were successfully delivered, but none were answered. By 9.45 a.m., calls began going directly to voicemail, and text messages were no longer being delivered. Salvino was declared missing shortly after, and police began searching for surveillance camera footage he may have been captured on during his walk home. They found footage of him at the Wiener Circle around 12.14 a.m., which would be just before that second call from the friend checking in to see if he made it home. I couldn't find any other reports of footage being recovered, though. The search continued for Salvino, but nothing notable was found until the evening of Tuesday, December 20th, 2022, when a body was pulled from Lake Michigan near Diversity Harbor and the location that Salvino's phone had last pinged. That night, the medical examiner confirmed the body belonged to Peter Salvino. The autopsy has been completed, but cause of death has not yet been released, and authorities are citing a pending toxicology report and the ongoing investigation as a reason the autopsy has not been made public at this time. 
Now, the search for Salvino and subsequent discovery of him in Lake Michigan garnered a lot of media attention, but there was actually another man pulled from Lake Michigan just over a week prior to Salvino that has some pretty striking similarities and got far less coverage. This man is Christoph Zubert, a 21-year-old Polish businessman who had been in the Chicago area for work since November. On the evening of December 3rd, 2022, Zubert attended a holiday party at a bar called Howl at the Moon in the city's River North neighborhood. Now, for those of you who are unfamiliar with the layout of Chicago, River North is on the north side of downtown, and its unofficial southern border is the Chicago River, which runs right through the heart of downtown. Lincoln Park, where Salvino lived and went missing, is directly north of River North, and they kind of back up to each other. So Zubert and his co-workers were staying at a hotel in the southwest suburb of Joliet while completing a business project and took a bus into Chicago for the party that evening. And this was like a company holiday function. So all of his co-workers were there. His co-workers said that he stepped outside for some air around 9.45 p.m. and never returned back inside and nobody saw him leaving. A coworker said to NBC5, quote, I saw him standing there, then the next moment he wasn't there, unquote. The coworker said he had knocked on the door to Subert's hotel room the following morning and got no answer. When he looked inside, the room was empty. On December 7th, four days after Subert was last seen, police received a call around 1.55 a.m. about an unresponsive man floating in Lake Michigan off of Oak Street Beach. In response, authorities retrieved him from the water and rushed him to the hospital, where he was later pronounced dead. No autopsy report has been released in this case either, and investigators have been referring to it as a death investigation rather than a drowning. And it's worth noting that Zubert was found a short five minutes down the shore of Lake Michigan from where Salvino was found in Diversity Harbor. So here we have two young men, both at social functions, who seemingly vanish into thin air and wind up dead in Lake Michigan in the same month. And this got me thinking, have there been any other mysterious deaths similar to these? Back in April 2022, four bodies were found over the span of one week in Lake Michigan and the Chicago River, which flows from the lake and into the city going west. These bodies belonged to three women and one man. One of the women was identified as 80-year-old Yuetsang and another as 31-year-old Karina Alanis. The third woman and the man have yet to be identified. Sang was 80 years old, and while authorities have not released any causes or manners of death for any of the four victims, many do believe that Sang's death was most likely an accidental drowning due to her elderly age. Karina Alanis, the second woman found, was a pregnant mother of three and was last seen walking in the city's southwest side near the Bridgeport neighborhood on April 7, 2022. Now, Alanis did have diagnosed depression, so authorities have been wary of a possible suicide, but many people do suspect foul play here rather than Alanis taking her own life. In this case, as well as all of the other ones, no cause or manner of death or autopsy report has been released. The unidentified woman was found just four miles from where Tsang was found and in the same area as Alanis's two on the southwest side of the city. The unidentified man, however, was not found in the river. 
He was found in Lake Michigan near the 3000 block of South Fort Dearborn Drive. Now, the Chicago Tribune reported that the reason so many bodies were found in April 2022 was because the weather was finally starting to warm up. So any bodies that entered the water during the colder months would have finally begun the decomposition process, which can't happen in temperatures under 60 degrees, and ultimately made their way up to the surface of the water. And that could absolutely be true for some of these people. Whether foul play got them into the water or not, they may not be connected at all and just didn't surface until April due to the weather. But I found it odd that the unidentified man was found in Lake Michigan, south of where Sue Barrett was found, while the rest of the women who were found were on the south side of the river. And then I did some more digging. In November 2021, 23-year-old Inaki Baskaran was found dead in the Chicago River after disappearing the night of October 30th. He had attended a Halloween party at Celeste, a bar in River North, and was walking home alone to his North Wrigleyville apartment when he vanished. Baskaran told his roommate via FaceTime that he was on his way home, just like Salvino did, but never arrived. He was found days later in the Chicago River, south of the bar he was last seen at. The cause of death was ruled as a drowning, but police have still not determined or released if the manner of death was an accident or if foul play was involved. In April 2022, two University of Illinois Chicago students, 26-year-old Daniel Sotelo and 22-year-old Natalie Brookson, went missing. The two were dating and last seen in two separate locations on the same day, Brookson leaving work at Friedmont Place near Bucktown and Satello at a CTA train stop at Roosevelt Road and State Street. Brookson was found on May 2nd in the lake near the 5500 block of North Sheridan Road. Satello was pulled from the lake near the shore of Wilmette, which is a northern suburb of Chicago, on May 22nd. He was found about eight miles away from where Brookson was. No cause or manner of death has been released in either case. In June 2022, 31-year-old Eden De La O was found in a South Chicago river after being reported missing on April 3rd. He was last seen in the Southern Brighton Park neighborhood. Again, no cause or manner of death was released. I'm sure if I kept searching, I could find even more. But at this point, I was shocked. We've got a cluster of cases where young people in their 20s or early 30s were at social functions, parties, or bars, and walking alone at night, only to vanish without a trace, sometimes just moments after being seen by a friend, and winding up dead in the lake or river. Now, if you read reports from mainstream media or statements from police about any of these cases, they mostly say the same thing. These people were drunk or not paying attention to their surroundings or distracted in some other way and must have just fallen into the water. It's an accident, they say, and they've said it over and over for the past year, yet bodies keep washing up at an alarming rate. And yes, it is possible that some of these victims were drunk and accidentally fell in. The vast majority of bodies found in the lake are accidental drownings. Water is extremely dangerous when you're intoxicated or impaired, and Lake Michigan is known for having rough, cold water and strong undertoes. But this many drownings with similar profiles? And if the causes of death were all drowning in these cases, or there was sufficient evidence that they were all tragic accidents, why not just release the autopsy reports? 
Why are authorities being so tight-lipped about every case? It just doesn't make sense to me. So with this in mind, I decided to map out the locations cited in the three cases that I thought were most likely to be connected. Inaki Bascaran, Christoph Zubert, and Peter Salvino. All were young, 20-something men who were last seen at locations in or near River North and vanished while walking alone from bars or parties late at night. What I found when I did this was pretty baffling. I've linked these maps for you both in the show notes and on our website, gracesonthecasepodcast.com, so if you'd like to have a look for yourself to visualize all these people's last known locations, where they were headed and where they were found, I highly recommend that you take a peek. So starting with Bhaskaran, he was last seen on October 30th over FaceTime by his roommate. He was walking home to their Wrigleyville apartment just after midnight from a River North bar, which is about a 4.5-mile walk. He was found in the Chicago River in November. Now, it's important to note that the Chicago River, which is connected to Lake Michigan and runs all through the city, does not flow into the lake. It actually flows west away from the lake, which means that anything entering the water would be slowly moved by currents away from the lake and eventually out of downtown. Now, the closest way to the river from the location that Bhaskaran was last seen is actually just two blocks south, but it's in the exact opposite direction of his Wrigleyville apartment, which he told his roommate he was actively walking toward over FaceTime that night. Bhaskaran was found in the river parallel to the 1100 block of South Wells Street six days later, which is just a short distance from the bar he had been at and in the direction the current would have taken him if he had gone into the water near the bar. So the question becomes, how did he end up in the river exactly opposite the direction he was verified to be going? It doesn't seem very likely that someone would just turn around and begin walking the wrong way spontaneously. Now, I can't verify his blood alcohol content or any other possible substances present in his system since the ME has not released the autopsy, but his roommate made no mention of Bhaskaran seeming like he was extremely drunk or out of it or impaired. But even if he had been completely intoxicated, he was already going the right way. Why would he just turn around and go back the opposite direction when the goal was to get home? It just doesn't make sense. Moving on, let's look at Zubert. Zubert was last seen on December 3rd at Hall at the Moon, another River North bar, which is actually only 0.1 miles away from Celeste, the bar that Bascaran was at the night before he went missing. It's reported that he stepped outside and no one saw him leave. He just vanished. Again, no autopsy or toxicology report was made public, so I can't verify any blood alcohol content or anything else in his system but he was at a bar, so I'm guessing it's probable he had a few drinks. I do want to point out, though, that none of his co-workers said he was heavily intoxicated or impaired, which points to him being of probably decently sound mind at the time he steps out of the party. He was found in the water of Lake Michigan off of Oak Street Beach in the Gold Coast neighborhood, which is northeast from the bar. It's actually pretty far from where Zubert was last seen, a 40-minute walk and a 10-minute drive. So how did he end up there? No one from the holiday party said he made any comments about wanting to leave or planning to leave, and again, no one saw him leaving, and he was staying at a hotel in Joliet, a suburb of Chicago. 
Joliet is nowhere near Oak Street Beach. It's far southwest and about a half hour's drive away from the bar that they were at. It's in the exact opposite direction of where he was staying. Plus, he's a foreign tourist in an unfamiliar city where he had no personal transportation, and he knows he has to be back at the bar by the end of the party to get on the bus to go back to the hotel. Why would he choose to wander off, especially at night, and to a location so far from where he knew he needed to be? It makes no sense. Finally, let's look at Salvino's movements the night he went missing. He was last seen on December 17th at Wiener Circle and was reportedly headed to his apartment on the 800 block of West Lille Avenue, which is about a half mile west and a 10 minute walk. Salvino was found in the water of Diversity Harbor, which is a little under a mile away from Wiener Circle and about a 20 to 30 minute walk east, depending on which part of the harbor you're going to. It's pretty big. This is two miles from where Zubert was found. If Salvino's friend saw him over FaceTime at 12.15 a.m. still walking home, and then he was at Diversity Harbor by 12.31 a.m. per his phone location, that's only 16 minutes. If Salvino had traveled there himself on foot, he would have literally had to be running to get there in that amount of time. Even if we ignore the fact that he told his friend that he was nearly home at 12.15, why would Salvino pick up food for himself and then jog over to Diversity Harbor in the opposite direction of his apartment and tell his friend that he was going home? And like I said at the beginning, no autopsy has been released and we're still waiting on the toxicology report for Salvino. But again, he was traveling home from a party, so it's probable that he had some alcohol in his system. But it's worth mentioning that none of the friends he was with that night or the employees at Wiener Circle or the friend he was talking to on the phone ever came forward and said that he was heavily intoxicated or impaired, which points to him being of decently sound mind at the time that he vanished. I'd also like to point out that Salvino, just like Bascaran, was found in the exact opposite direction of the place he said he was going to his friend over FaceTime. So I'm going to raise the question again. How did he end up in the lake exactly opposite the direction he was verified to be going? What we have here is three young men who went missing from northern Chicago neighborhoods after being at bars or parties and ended up in locations exactly opposite of where they were trying to go, supposed to go, or said they were going. They all vanished at night from outdoor locations, and there seems to be no witnesses or surveillance footage to verify their movements leading up to when their bodies were found. I don't know about you, but that seems like too much of a coincidence to me. Now, as I was doing all this digging and piecing together what I thought to be a pretty solid case for a serial killer, a TikTok came across my For You page from Barstool Chicago that sent me even deeper into this already complex case. Now, I know Barstool is not a reputable news source per se, but the video basically discussed a lot of the evidence that I had looked through myself and have presented to you in this episode. Additionally, it raised a theory that I had never even considered, but sent my mind reeling. And that theory, as well as a few of my own, will have to wait until next week for part two. I hate to do it to you guys, but there was just too much information here to comfortably fit it all into a single episode. So like I said at the top, I'll be back next week with the second half, and we can dive into all of the theories then. 
So thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review if you enjoyed this episode. All of my source material is listed in the show notes and on the show's website, gracesonthecasepodcast.com, and you can contact me through there or Instagram DM at gracesonthecasepodcast for comments, corrections, or suggestions for future cases. I will see you all next week for part two. Thank you.